We'll be in Acts 14 uh, as you're uh, making your way there. Um, just, uh, I want to give you uh, just some information. The, uh, the online service today is different. Uh, Pastor Robbie and I actually just got back from Boston uh, where uh, we went to encourage our team of 13 college students that are there. They've been there all summer uh, and to meet with some of our partners. And so while we were up there, we filmed the online service. Uh, so you can fast forward through my part. But uh, I really would love for you to see the interview we do with three of our partners in Boston. I think it'll encourage you and let you know kind of what God's doing there in uh, Boston and in New England as a whole. And Robbie and I drove to Boston. And yes, it's as bad as it sounds. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't too bad. Uh, but let me say this to you. You have not lived until you have literally driven through Times Square with Robbie. Some of you have ridden with him, and you the prospect of that is terrifying you right now. Um, that may have been Stephanie, I heard laughing. She knows. So I hope you found Acts 14. Um, again, we talk a lot about sending here, about being a sending church, about sending people who are called. We have a great privilege this morning to send Cliff and Rebecca and their family. But before we do that, I want to look in Acts 14, specifically in verses 19 through 28, and, and look at it, really, Cliff and Rebecca, as a charge to you and a reminder to us, the church, of why we do this and what we are actually sending them to do and what our responsibility is in that. So let's look in verse 19 of Acts Chapter 14, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. First of all, can we just talk about Paul for a minute? Who does that? They beat him till they think he's dead, drag him out. He gets up and goes, I'm not done. is wired different. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attila. From Attila, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened doors to the faith of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. At the most basic level, 
A missionary is someone who is sent. We, we get the word missionary from a Latin word that is derived, that, that is a translation of the Greek word apostolian, which occurs 136 times in the New Testament. It, means to be, it just means sent one. And uh, Jesus uses it 97 times in the Gospels. So sent outness is the first thing we need to think about when we think about missionaries. It's the first thing Jesus actually says about his own mission. He says in Luke 4, he was sent to proclaim a message of good news. So every Christian then, if we're going to be obedient to the Great Commission, must be involved in missions. But not every Christian is a missionary. All right? Um, John Piper says it this way. You're either a zealous goer, a zealous sender, or you're disobedient. There, there are no other options, right? Every Christ follower should be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. We should adorn the gospel with good works, and we should do our part to make Christ known. But we need to reserve the term missionary for those who we send out. Luke, in the book of Acts, never talks about the church as being sent. In fact, the word ecclesia, which is translated church, means called out ones. It means those who are called out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus where he creates this new community of love that uh, is supposed to then send others out. That's what the church does. We are a sending organization. Missionaries, therefore, are simply those unique persons who are a part of the called out ones that God commissions to go into places where the gospel hasn't been proclaimed. At the beginning of Acts 13, we see the church set apart Paul and Barnabas. Um, the, it says, for the work which I've called them. And then the next verse says, after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. It's not the first time that the gospel has been proclaimed in the book of Acts. It's also not the first time Paul and Barnabas have been involved in the proclamation of the gospel. It is the first time we see a local church commissioning and sending missionaries. And when you get to Acts 14, the section we just read, it's the end of that first missionary journey. And if you will, it's Paul's slideshow. Right? He comes back to the local church and says, let me tell you what God has done through us and how God used you sending us to open a door for the Gentiles to hear. We're about to send Cliff and Rebecca and their kids. And before we do that, I want us to see that in this text... There are, um, there's what I would call a three-legged stool that um, 
supports missionary work and what we do and why we do it. And it comes right out of the text here. Look in verse 21. The first leg is this, that there will be new converts. Verse 21 says, when they had preached the gospel to to that city and had made many disciples. People get converted at the preaching of God's word. So when you have new converts, the next thing you see is new communities. Look at verse 23. When they had appointed elders for them in every church. When you have new converts, you need to have churches that they can be discipled in. And then the third thing is this, nurtured churches. Verse 22, it says, they were strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. All mission work should keep those three things in mind. Evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. That's what the church in Antioch sent Paul and Barnabas to do. And those should be the goals of every missionary. It's what we're sending Cliff and Rebecca to do. Now they may aim more strategically at one of those components, but all three of them have to be there if the mission is going to be healthy. So here's what missionaries do. Cliff and Rebecca, this is a reminder to you. You preach the gospel to those who haven't heard. You disciple new believers in life and Christian doctrine. And you establish them in healthy churches with sound teaching. That's our charge to you today. Now, there are a few applications here. The first one is this, that as you serve, your priorities need to be the priorities Paul and Barnabas had. And I know they are, but sometimes when we get in a place, it's easy to start to drift. But come back to the scriptures and what Paul and Barnabas and the church at Antioch sent them to do. The second thing is for us as a church, we should aim with our missions budget to send out people who have these priorities. It doesn't mean that we can't support other ministries, but it means that primarily our resources, because we have finite resources, finite abilities, and a finite amount of time. And there are still 7,000 unreached people groups in the world who've never heard the name of Jesus. So as a church, in our missions budget, we, we need to prioritize getting the gospel to unreached people. It's why we send people to Central Asia and South Asia, into countries where we can't even pronounce the name. It's why we are partnered with a city like Boston that 92% of the people living in Boston have no church affiliation and would not claim to be Christian. That's why we give to those. And here's the third thing. Where is God calling you? 
to be engaged in this work. Again, you're either a zealous goer, a zealous sender, or you're disobedient. So all of us have to figure out where it is God's calling us to be involved. Maybe you're being called like Cliff and Rebecca, that you've been sensing that call on your life. If that's you, let me say to you, we would love to be your sending church. I know Pastor Robbie would love to have a conversation with you about what the next steps are and how we get you from this room into a place where people haven't heard the gospel. So you can email him. It's right there on the screen. Robbie at Watkinsville.org. He would love to begin that conversation and that journey with you. But if you haven't been called to go, you're called to send. As we gather here today to commission and pray for Cliff and Rebecca and their kids, you and I have a responsibility to support them financially, to pray for them, to encourage them. Here's, the, here's something I don't want you to miss. A key aspect of Paul and Barnabas' discipleship plan was preparing people to suffer. Look at the end of verse 22 of Acts 14. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. In a lot of ways, mission work is a lot easier than it was with Paul and Barnabas. You, it, Paul didn't have an airplane he could get on. They didn't have cars. I read somewhere this week, Paul traveled almost 13,000 miles. There was no Enterprise rental car. Like, that's a lot of cardio. 13,000 miles. So it's easier in some ways for Cliff and Rebecca to go because travel's easier. But it's just as hard emotionally, spiritually. They're going to leave behind friends and family, but they're obeying the call to go. And you and I have a responsibility to hold them up as they go.